0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions, because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good
1: morning, and welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland, and uh, here with Charlie Dobbin in our respective studios, sort of, kind of, in a way. We'll get to that in a second. How are you, Charlie?
2: I'm doing great. I bet you look pretty silly dancing at the Royal Botanical Gardens yeah, to yes. the garden
1: show theme music. Uh, yes. That's <laughs> exactly what I was doing, as you know, too. But, you know, that's it's, it's that music that we dance to every day, right? Or every Saturday.
2: Saturday. Yeah, just Saturdays.
1: Saturday. Just Saturday. You got it. Yeah, I am at the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens because, uh, uh, well, I... we had It's some,
2: beautiful. It's a beautiful it place is beautiful.
3: to be.
1: Yeah, we had some family to visit. We're, my wife and I are both from the Hamilton area. And in fact, the house that we lived in just before we uh, moved to Collingwood, the very first house that we bought uh, as a couple, uh, was uh, just oh, about a kilometer from here. And so we used to kind of stroll up this way on, on our walks in the morning. So, yeah, so uh, it, RBG has been sort of part of the fabric of our upbringing since we were born.
2: Nice nice place to be and and as i think you know we did an episode of healing gardens at, at royal botanical gardens because they had in, they've installed still very new garden but it's all about medicine plant-based medicines yes you'll, you'll have to look for it before you leave today yes yeah. it's, it's so it's very cool that it's a very large space and each of the gardens is uh designated by body parts <clears throat> so oh okay the- the brain garden and then there's the bones garden and the heart garden and so that all the plants that are within those systems that support you know health of those systems have, are be, are planted there it's very cool
1: right Lots well of- the ho- and the whole place of course is just Cool, and I haven't been here in a number of years, and I, I, I'm reminded about how it's so delightful to come back. There's so many gardens. Of course, there's, there's the, the rock gardens. There's the oh, yeah. lake the lake and garden. There's yeah. all sorts of different – there's the arboretum. There's all sorts of pieces to this RBG, and I think it's about 10 kilometers by 4 kilometers in size. It's huge, and it's it's bordered by wetlands on either side. It is absolutely spectacular out here, and I have to thank Sage at the RBG for making this possible for me. (laughs) Um, I thought, if I'm going to be in Hamilton, and i got a broadcast off-site, then where else should I be? I should be at the Royal Botanical Gardens, and here I am.
2: Good for you. And, and I guess one more thing I'd just like to add is that sometimes people say, oh, I've been to the Royal Botanical Gardens. Why would I go again? Well, the reason why you would go again is because there's always new stuff. Um, the Rose Garden was completely renovated and they had a big grand opening about four or five years ago. So that just gets better as it gets older. And as you point out, the rock gardens, those were all also highly renovated about eight or nine years ago. So it's always new stuff.
1: Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to give out the numbers. uh, Sure. Yeah, I should do that. I know you probably have some announcements. We will have to take a break in a Mm -hmm. second. But, yeah, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We want you to call often, call early, and one question per call, please. And I got to tell you, we want you to let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. And when I got here (laughs) and I was set up, I thought, oh, my goodness, I forgot the bell. However, however... However, right across from me, there's this gift shop, and they have these wonderful chimes. So I borrowed (laughs) one for the show.
2: Oh, oh, nice. Isn't
1: that a nice garden (sighs) wing sound?
2: I kind of like that better than the big cowbell. So there
1: you go. So we have (laughs) – those are your garden wings if you call and let us know, okay? So, Charlie, I do –
2: yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just want to remind people. Anybody who's in the, my area, I'm in uh, Prince Edward County, not far from Belleville. I am presenting at the for the Trenton Horticultural Society tonight, and uh, anybody who would like to come is welcome to come. It's a potluck dinner, and my presentation is gardening as we age. And so I'll be giving everybody some tips and tricks on how to stay young in the garden, no matter how old you are. Uh, and one other thing, I did get a note. The um, the Orchid Society's had some big issues with having the big orchid shows because of the pandemic, but they are doing a special one-day orchid sale at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. So if you're in that area and you are an orchid lover, it's free admission 12 to 5 p.m. on August the 7th. So Toronto Botanical Gardens big orchid day for selling orchids because i guess some of these growers haven't had a chance to sell any because there hasn't been any shows so they're i think they're a bit overloaded with orchids right now so you could likely get some pretty beautiful good deals that day august 7th between 12 and 5
1: gotcha okay have to take a quick break but we will be right back with much more on the garden show
0: fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: yes indeed we are back with the garden show here and uh, i'm dean uh, in here with uh, well not in here but yeah virtually with charlie dobbin charlie are you ready to take a call absolutely okay we are going to markham for our first call we have barb on the line welcome to the garden show barb
4: hi i really enjoy hi. this program and thank you so much for taking my call uh... it's regarding tomato plants i planted two tomato plants in the early spring uh... one was called early girl and the other one was um... uh... tomato i have lots of leaves on these two tomato plants and lots of flowers, but the beefsteak tomato plant has uh, fruit, but the other early girl does not. The flowers are there, they're healthy, but the fruit is not developing. Is there too much fertilizer in the
2: soil? No, it sounds like what you've got, you've got everything right. You've got the flowers, you will get fruit once the flowers are pollinated, Tomatoes pollinate themselves, so you don't even need insects flying around doing the pollination oh. for you because the flowers are perfect, what we call perfect flowers. So there's it's self-pollinated. I think. Are you? You said there's a lot of leaves. Uh, have you been fertilizing quite regularly?
4: Uh, I fertilized quite a bit when I first planted them, but the last two or three weeks I have not been fertilizing them.
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, it is a good idea to fertilize, you know, every two weeks. Typically, when they're in containers, if are they in the ground or are they in pots? In the ground. The ground, yeah. So in the ground, uh, I probably wouldn't fertilize anymore because it's likely that all that food you're giving is creating lots and lots of leaves and really at the end of the day you don't want that many leaves you want flowers it could be that buried in amongst all those leaves there are little fruits you're just not seeing so sometimes i will do some trimming to thin out some of the foliage on my tomato plants they just get so full of leaves yeah Uh, so i'd be inclined to believe that there probably are some fruits in there and yeah, pull back on your fertilizer keep up the consistent watering because you otherwise you can end up with fruit that is cracked or or you Know, ends up with the blossom end rot if we kind of ignore our tomatoes when it's hot and dry right. so stay on top of that but i wouldn't worry I, you know it sounds to me like you're doing everything right just just keep an eye and and look more closely i bet you there's some early girls in there
4: okay and i want to compliment you so much on the program the healing garden the series is wonderful well done mm-hmm. and executed and certainly a highlight of the day
2: thank you thank you a lot of fun and work obviously to make it but uh yeah pretty 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 fun
1: great thanks uh, yeah thanks for the call there barb uh just to that end charlie uh-huh. um just wondering you had an email uh, about watering just because we talked about that from uh, min and she was asking is it better to water in the early morning or in the evening or does it matter and so just uh, you know you were you were i'm just curious myself
2: yeah it was a good question um should we water flowers early or late, or does it matter? The answer is always, always better to water early as early as you can never water at high noon because you're basically wasting water it evaporates as fast as you can get it on the plants but early in the day the plants can absorb and use the water you've given them and the bonus is that by the time the sun does go down the plants are dry we it's never a good idea to have any of our garden plants soaking wet as the sun goes down because we particularly with high humidity like we're having we do end up with a lot of um fungal diseases like powdery mildew, uh, etc. etc. Black spot on the roses. So avoid wet foliage by watering early in the
1: day. Okay. Uh, I have to take another quick break, but we'll be back with much more here on The Garden Show.
5: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips,
0: and williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And, uh, you know, that little little song that we hear at the beginning that lists all those flowers... And I was listening to it, thinking, okay, some of them have bloomed and gone already. Some of them are yet to come. Some of them are, you know, in. They're they're all over the map, right? They're, mm-hmm. they they're kind of all staggered. But one of them that jumped out at me, which is blooming right now, is my lavender. And I know we've been talking about my lavender because I forwarded you my lavender scone, lavender lemon oat scone recipe, which I think you posted. Yeah,
2: uh, not yet. I uh, oh, you sent it to me a little too late, so I will be posting it with this show. But okay. Uh, just to let everybody know uh, we were really uh Jacqueline in Port Dover is very keen to make your scones, so she has received the, mas- the uh, recipe directly mm-hmm. from me. Nice. and if anybody wants a direct uh, recipe in your inbox, just send me an email c dot at mzmedia dot com
1: There you go, okay. So we are off and running again. We have more callers on the line. I will bef- give you the numbers again, though. 416 360 Anywhere in Toronto or anywhere outside of Toronto in the province of Ontario, it's toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Oakville now. We have Earl on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Earl. Well, uh,
5: Hi, Dean. Hi, Charlie. Um. I'm a part-time landscaper. This woman was asking me about hydrangeas. I never even heard of them before. What what do I have to know about hydrangeas, Charlie?
2: <laughs> oh boy, there's lots and lots of hydrangeas <laughs> out there, Earl. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen them yeah, at some they're rare
3: very colorful, yard, aren't they? Pardon? I say they're very colorful.
2: Uh, most of them are white, but you will see some pink ones out there, and if you're really lucky, you'll see some blues and purples.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I had to but
5: very, it from very, the garden. Well, actually, uh, one of my coworkers removed it from the garden, and I asked him, I never even heard of hydrangeas before. And, and I said, How did you know about them? And he said, Well, you he, he heard about them before,
3: so I thought I'd better give you a call or ask you about them.
2: Okay, well, you know, very simple. Any, any, they're flowering shrubs, they're also okay, climbing okay. hydrangeas, um, and they're easy, tough, generally insect. And disease free. Just planted in the right spot, you get a long season of color. Many of the newer varieties of hydrangea are starting to bloom now and will continue to bloom right through, a, like, till a very hard frost, like okay. Christmas. Thank you, Charlie, and Thank
1: then you, care, the guys. flowers. Show. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Thanks, Earl.
2: There you go. I, I love I love hydrangeas. Yeah, who yeah. doesn't, right? No, I was just going to say the um the what I, one of the things that I love is that the flowers you can leave them alone all winter and they hang on the plants as a crispy bronze colored flowers. Like they they obviously are are frozen or you yeah. know no longer alive but they're still very
1: ornamental. Yeah, I love hydrangeas. I haven't had immense luck with them thus far. Mind you, we, we got a new one this year so from our neighbor <laughs> across the street. Um anyway so i'm keeping my fingers crossed you and i will talk uh you know sometime about hydrangeas again because i would really like to to sort of um overcome that hurdle as it were so i <laughs> i love them i yeah. love them
2: organic so, matter organic matter in the okay. soil okay
1: okay you got it let's go to joanne in uh, richmond hill and joanne first. is a first time caller so i get to give her the rbg garden wings how are you doing there joanne <laughs> chimes
2: i'm fine oh beautiful welcome to the show
1: thank you got your garden weeks
6: thank you um i have a question about garlic um we we dug up our garlic last weekend and we noticed out of the 42 bulbs half of them had no roots uh hanging off them so we opened them up and there looked to be little uh worms or maggots or are they nematodes and that's what we're trying to find out And I sent you an email with some pictures of them, just to be sure, last week. But my question is, are they maggots, and can we eat the good bulbs? Because the good bulbs have all the big roots on them. And is our soil infested now with whatever it is, and can we use that soil again next year?
2: That's yeah. the okay. I know. Great questions, Joanne. And I did get your email, so thank, oh, you. thank, you. Uh, thank you. So I, I looked it up. I mean, onion, there's no such thing as a garlic maggot. They're called onion maggots. But, of course, onions and garlic, they're all the same family. Uh, and it's just a question of... What they are. So, number one, you asked, are they nematodes? They are not nematodes because nematodes are microscopic. So you would not be able to see them with the naked eye. The thing about maggots, onion maggots, garlic maggots, any of those maggots, is they look like fly maggots, which means they're white. They're elongated, if you've ever seen fly maggots. Uh, and, and they wiggle around. They're quite active. Okay. But there's something else called a bulb mite bulb mites, again, can attack any bulb. And what's different about them, and this is what I think you have, is they're not pure white. They're an off white, so a sort of a creamy white color. They're globular in shape. Instead of being elongated like a little larva, they're more globular and they're shiny. And I think that's what you've got on the infested bulbs, is bulb mites. So the question is, can you eat the good bulbs? Absolutely yes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with eating those ones. Should you destroy the ones with With the mites, I would. I wouldn't even compost them. I would get them off the property. Uh... Will you rotate your crops next year? You're going to have to. Yeah. I would not plant garlic back in that same spot for a number of years. Uh, any of that family, no onions, no leeks, no garlic in that in that bed, in that soil. There's nothing you can do to eliminate the insect other than starve it from its favorite food. So just keep all your bulb plants out of that area and uh, and give it a good three or four years and then try a test. Uh, you know, plant a few in three or four years and see how it goes. But they are very difficult to eliminate.
6: Wow. Okay. Do any idea where they came from? Because we we planted garlic there for years and years.
2: Yeah. It they could have come on some garlic because i know in your email you indicated that this was garlic from different sources yeah. i mean they could have like you just it's really hard with things like that how insects travel i mean it can be something as crazy as a bird visits one garden and then flies over your garden and drops a maggot like it's just it you know you just don't know exactly where these things come from uh possibly, like I said, could have come in on some of the new garlic you introduced last fall. So just, you know, it's one of those things. But once you've got those soil insects, you really, really have to step back, you know, put tomatoes in there next year, something mm-hmm. like that. Like, just change it up entirely. Okay, great. All okay. right. Thanks for your call. Good question. Thanks. Yeah,
1: thanks for the call there, there uh, Joanne. And that's uh, that's frustrating. Frustrating when that happens, especially sure. if you are if you have a bed like that, that you have year after year after year after year planted, that you get into that routine and you ha- you get used to the yield, et cetera, et cetera, and that must be very frustrating.
2: But you know what? The mantra should be rotate your crops. Mm. You're less likely to have that kind of an issue with any infestation if you rotate because you throw off – the insects, like if, for, if for whatever reason, Joanne and her husband had not planted garlic in that same spot this past fall, but done it somewhere else, they probably wouldn't have had this issue whatsoever. So they've really fed, fed the problem by continuing to plant the same uh, plants there.
1: So rotate, rotate
2: your crops.
1: OK, we're going to rotate callers, too. How's that? I've got, okay. uh, got Mary on the line from Oakville and another first time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Thank you very much. I'm going to give you your RBG garden wings, okay? (laughs) Garden Chime. There you go. so
6: beautiful. And I love the RBG and actually reminded me this morning that I actually want to plan a visit out there even just for a day by myself. It's just, Mm -hmm. I love it there. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I I actually think you bring up a very good point, Mary. I think this would be a beautiful place to come on your own because then you can just, you know, meander around and just, you know, drink it all in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Follow yeah. your own nose instead of the people you're traveling with. <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, I hope it's okay. I'm actually calling about a house plant,
2: not outside. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Of course. Plants okay. are plants. <laughs>
6: um, so I have this plant that was my mum's and I mean, it's probably over 40 years old. And I, if I recall, like, I think she planted it from an orange seed, but I'm not 100% sure. The problem is that this thing has grown. It's really quite tall, and it actually was touching the ceiling in my house. And so I have it outside, but the problem is that it's, the stem is almost like a tree stem. And there's nothing on the bottom and the leaves are at the top. They're really big leaves. And I actually, what I would like to do is cut the top off and maybe put it in water to have new roots put on it, but I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid I'm going to kill it. I know yeah. in the past I've taken a leaf off here and there and tried to root it in water, which usually you can do with plants, but this, they won't root. So I I just don't know what to do with it. It's too tall, and the leaves are just at the top, and the bottom's all bare and kind of
2: ugly-looking. Sure. Yeah, and I think your idea is a good one to propagate it. Uh, You will not be able to grow a new plant from a single leaf, but you should be able to grow a new plant from what is called a tip cutting. So that means cutting, going up to the top there where that growth is, where those leaves are, and taking cuttings that are about six inches long off the tips of each of the branches. So if you've got 10 branches up there, you can take 10 cuttings, each of okay. which is going to be six inches long. Okay. When you look at what you've got there, you're going to have some stem and maybe two or three leaves attached to those stems. And what, you, where you're going to get the roots from is where the leaves are growing from on the stem. So you're going to remove the lower leaves uh, or lower two leaves on each of those stem cuttings. Mm -hmm. I would probably get a hold of something called stem root, which is a rooting hormone. And I would dip my, my, you wet the stem after you remove the lower leaves, Mm -hmm. wet the stem, dip the stem into the powdered rooting hormone, tap off the excess, and then take that stem and put it into a moist media. So you can go into soil, you can go into sand, you can go into vermiculite, but either way, you want to get that stem under under whatever you choose so that there's moisture around that stem and roots should start to grow from those little bumps where the leaves were and at that okay. point now we can start time up potting them up into small pots and start mm-hmm. growing them again as indoor plants
6: okay that's it and then i can still save like the top of the plant it just said it's so barren yeah looking
2: sure yeah the plants they often do they get, they outgrow their their situation and sometimes we're not that good at maintaining them all the way along i mean it happens outside too where you know the plants grow and the suddenly everything's out of proportion that you know nobody's been pruning or trimming or caring or maintaining so i uh, don't hesitate to make more of that plant by just okay. and you can google it as well what what you're doing is you're propagating using tip cuttings okay Okay.
6: okay. Yeah, that in the hormone thing like I guess I could get that at any
2: plant. Yeah, yeah, rooting rooting hormone you can get at any garden center. You might even be able to get it at like a Home Depot. I'm not sure if they would have it, but for sure a garden center will have it.
1: Okay. And just okay. just ask for it. just say
2: I'm looking for rooting hormone. Okay. Okay, okay. that sounds great. Okay. Good yeah. luck. Send pictures.
1: Yeah, <laughs> okay. thanks uh, Thanks for that uh, call there, Mary. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, plants like that, especially when you inherit them from your uh, your parents or loved ones, they have a real sentimental value. We've had a lot of calls, even since I've been on the show since uh, last fall, or a lot of calls about uh, plants that have been passed down.
2: Right. And there's, like you say, it's a dear, to, dear to your heart. The last thing you want to do is just stick it in the
1: composter, right? Mm-hmm yeah i had a, a i had been filling in on our sister station on the classical new classical fm uh for the last a week and a half for daniel vanukovsky and we had uh, we were talking about trees i was talking about trees on the show yesterday because as i told you yesterday was a bit of a sad day we found out this week that uh, a very, very large ash tree that is adjacent to our property. It's about two feet over our, our property line, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a town-owned property. It's um, an assisted living property. Anyway, this ash tree has been uh, affected by, is it the ash borer? Emerald Does, ash borer, yep. Yeah, and so they they started taking it down yesterday. And, you know, we've been on in that house for 11 years and it's a huge, they figure about 80 years old. I don't know about 70 feet, 60 feet tall, beautiful tree. Uh, Gail noticed a problem. My wife noticed a problem with it last year. And so it had to come down and gee, we're going to miss it. I um, bet. So huge it, impact on your yard. I'm sure. Yeah. So I got a call from somebody who talked about her grandson who, who 25 years ago brought home a little tiny sapling on Arbor day and she let him go out and plant it and um and unfortunately she disclosed in the phone call that her her grandson died at a very early age and so she has this tree which has been in the ground for 25 years now and it is dear to her like because of course it's connected to her her grandson so it was a beautiful call but uh, yes. yeah very very sentimental value
2: oh yeah absolutely i mean sentimental is one thing but then think of the actual property value too i mean trees make a huge difference uh, on the to the value of our property they just yeah. add shade and they cool our houses down they provide you know refuge for wildlife mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't want the wildlife but nevertheless we, we do end up with birds and squirrels etc so yeah no, i know and you're right when it's uh t- those arbor day trees or those uh, wedding gifts where people go home with a little spruce trees because it's a little gift for all the guests and, yeah. and then you see them planted in the story to say this sometimes the very wrong places. Very Yeah, well, very she,
1: she Hers was sort of in the wrong place because she said she never actually imagined it would grow. Of course. <laughs> and then it did. There you go. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. gonna give those numbers out again. 416 <laughs> 740 Give us a call with your questions or, yeah, about your trees or indoor plants, outdoor plants. Uh, you know, Charlie will take it all. Uh, Toll free anywhere in the province of Ontario. 1 866 Uh, Let's go to Hunt's Phil now. We have uh, Brian on the line, and Brian is another first-time caller. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Brian. Thank you. I'm going to give you your garden wings.
3: Okay.
1: You earned them, my friend. What do you got for Charlie?
3: Well, first-time caller, long-time listener. Um, <laughs> anyway, I well. I, I, pl- I bought a wisteria last year for a trellis that I built, and it did very, very well. Climbed on both sides of the trellis with flowers. It was just wonderful. Uh, Cut it back in the fall, but not all the way down to the ground. I seem to recall Charlie saying something about cutting it all the way down to the ground. I didn't. Uh, It's grown back this year, but no flowers.
2: Oh. Oh. Interesting. The thing about
3: yet, I don't know. It's only, uh, what is it, the 23rd of July. But as I look Uh, at it right now, uh, there are no flowers. And it's all the way around the... It's grown very nicely, but no flowers. No white Right.
2: So the thing is, that it should have bloomed by now because um, wisteria should bloom in June usually. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So the tr- the trick with wisteria is it is a, obviously a very very um, vigorous plant. Is a nice way of saying that it grows really yeah. quickly. Um, yeah. But we do it. You actually need to prune it twice a year, and okay. uh, I'm just trying to. I mean, I I avoid wisterias myself whenever I can. Uh, and, okay, here, I'm just going to quickly just tell you what I, if I had a wisteria, what I would do? Um, so they, they can be pruned drastically any time of year, but uh, it might take a few seasons for it to bloom again. Mm-hmm. Um, one issue is that the wisteria blooms on the lower uh, 12 inches of last year's growth. so you kind of every spring you look at it or even at the end of the summer you can see this year's growth and it's often quite a lot you know two or three or four feet so you don't want to prune it all away but you want to prune three quarters of it away and uh and that is so because if you do um prune it all away you will not have blooms the following year so do leave some of last year's growth so in the case of this coming fall when you're looking or later in the summer when you're looking at the plant leave some of this year's growth but not all of it Um, okay that's
3: a mistake i made
2: yeah yeah so you might have just taken it all out of there so and the other thing is there are so that's just right away to get it to bloom to bloom but then there's usually you'll do another pruning after it blooms so so do the the sort of late fall cut back leaving some of this year's growth mm-hmm. hope for flowers watch for flowers next spring late spring early summer and when once the flowering mm-hmm. is done again it's a it's a pretty radical at that point you can do a very hard cutting back again cuz you're going to encourage more growth next summer which you'll cut back at, some of it back at the end of the summer wisteria is a bit of work it's two minimum of two prunings a year
3: yeah okay well they're okay. Yeah, but they're very enjoyable you don't have to you know do too much other than just enjoy it mm-hmm. That's true. And they're beautiful. They're you know, yeah. stunning. So yeah, I think that's why people growers, love them. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. So good Thank for you. You. I hope you built a really strong arbor. You said you built something.
3: Yeah, I built a trellis, like an arbor or what
2: oh, trellis. Yeah. I hope it's really strong.
3: Yeah. Okay. okay Thank good. you very much. Good luck. Thanks
2: for calling. Thank yeah, okay, thanks so much Brian. Wait, and he, now that I think about it, he's in Huntsville too. Yeah. Wisteria, I mean there's climate change for you. We used to get excited when wisteria would bloom in Toronto
1: and he's up in Huntsville getting it to bloom. So wow. Wow, good for him. The mysteria of wisteria. <laughs> there we have it for you. There we okay, have it. uh great. we we do have uh, lines are open, okay? Uh, we have to go to a break, but I'm going to give you those numbers once again. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Please do give us a call. We would love to chat with you. And uh, right now I have to go to a quick break, but we'll be right back with much more on the Garden
0: Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, yes, we are back with
1: much more of The Garden Show. And holy cow, now everybody was waiting around the corner for me to give those numbers. And now the lines are loaded again. Okay, let's uh, go directly to Al in Etobicoke, who is another first-time caller. Welcome to The Garden Show, Al. Thank you. Okay, here are your garden wings.
2: Ooh! There
1: I you like go. those chimes. I think everybody <laughs> likes them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for us, Al?
3: Yeah, I got a problem with my uh, potato plants. Something's eating them, and I was told that if I spray alcohol on the leaves, that would stop it.
1: And the other question. <laughs> and, I they'll have make, is, and they'll make for really good French fries too. I get drunk, you know, eating them, so it's great.
3: Well, well yeah, rub, uh, rubbing alcohol. Maybe I'll go to the other alcohol because it might be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Al, what's eating the leaves of your potato plant is something called the Colorado potato beetle. They are quite endemic this year. Everybody who's growing potatoes seems to have that beetle chewing the leaves. What I would do if I were you is I would just dig up my potatoes now. Enjoy what you've got because as the leaves disappear, the plants will stop growing anyway. Spring rubbing alcohol, particularly straight rubbing alcohol, will kill the leaves as quick quicker than the beetles can eat them and to make a mix which you could do of alcohol and soap and and all those homemade recipes that you can make they really will not stop the beetle this uh this is a pretty um it's very hard to kill beetles they have a hard body a shell-like body and to penetrate that body with any of these sprays is not easy you can pick and squish or you can harvest now that would be my
1: suggestion Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Good luck on that, Al. And uh, Thanks my Thanks vo- for calling. My, my vote is for the uh, yeah. Some gin maybe would be nice. And, uh, <laughs> we could have a little uh, little drink by the garden there, and then we'll get all those beetles and we'll just ship them right back to Colorado where they came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yikes. Okay. Got another first-time caller, Scarborough. Let's go to talk to Rosina. Good morning, Rosina. Welcome to the Garden Show. Okay. Are you there, Rosina? Yes,
5: I am. Good morning. Thank you.
1: I've got your garden wings on.
5: Uh, Yes, I have an outdoor perennial plant. I don't know what the name is. All I know is a yellow flower. Hello? Yes. Hello. I can hear you. Yes, sorry. But um, I'm getting these red bugs on it. Maybe they're the Japanese beetle. I don't know. How can I get rid of them? They're on the body and on the underside of the plant.
2: Sure, the so the, of the leaves. if they're bright red and they have a black belly, so if you pick one up and flip it over, it's got a black underside but a red topside.
5: Yeah, they're all that red. Is, the whole but, the stem of the plant is
2: all covered sh- with this yeah, red. Yeah, they're skin. called li- lily leaf beetles. So you, it's obviously a lily that you're growing. The yellow flower is a lily. No, no it's not a lily. This or, is a hard woody plant
5: grows about four, four feet off the ground. Uh, But I don't know the name. I just, I'm just trying to figure out how I can Mm -hmm. get rid of these red bugs that are sitting on the stems. The whole Mm -hmm. body of the, the the shaft of each. Uh.
2: (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So I'm not sure then what you're growing. It's it's grow. It's a yellow flower now on this four yeah, foot it's tall a plant. Yeah,
5: yellow flower now, but the bugs themselves are
2: red, red. Right. I got it. I'm just trying to figure out what the plant is. Yeah, uh, okay. Know. Um, in the case of an again with the beetles, it's very difficult to spray and kill them. What you can do is go out to the plant. Put, put an old sheet on the ground or some newspaper on the ground and then use a broom and give the plant a, a, a sweeping or a bit of a you know banging around with a broom all those little bugs are going to drop down onto the ground onto the sheet that you put there or the newspaper which gives you a great opportunity because you have a pot of water or a pail of water standing by and in that pail of water you've dropped a drop of soap and then you pick up your sheet or your newspapers and you tilt up all those insects into the pail of water and they drown in the pail and if you do that every day maybe twice a day you will certainly never get rid of the insect but you can certainly get rid of a lot of them and the plant should be able to withstand one or two it's the hundreds that do the damage.
5: Okay, and is this, when they start coming in uh, earlier, would I have been able to spray them with something to avoid them bunching so much, or?
2: Well, yes, because beetles, um, most, all insects have uh, a life cycle that is not, that's different. So, you've got the what we call metamorphosis, so... Um, Like a butterfly doesn't start like a baby butterfly and turn into a big butterfly. It starts as a little caterpillar and Mm -hmm. turns into a big butterfly. So major change in its body form. Many of the beetles start life as a little tiny larva that is not very attractive. But you have to see them. You have to recognize that they're there and spray those little larvae before they become beetles in order to be effective. But you've got to be really on the ball, really looking for them. What do I say? Okay. Them
1: with? Get, good luck on that, Rosina. Sorry, I have to run. We have to oh, take okay. a commercial break, but thank you for your call.
2: Yeah, thanks for calling.
1: Yeah, Don't and, be a stranger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, gotta take another commercial break, but we will be right
0: back with much more on the garden show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, it certainly has been a show about small creatures becoming
1: big problems, hasn't it, this week? I guess that's the time of year, correct? I think so. Yeah, it's uh, okay. Uh, Let's see what Trudy's got for us in St. Catherine's. Welcome to the Garden Show, Trudy.
4: Hi, it's me again with a bunch of questions. Uh, My question this time is I have a young, sweet cherry tree, and I know normally you prune trees in the winter while they're dormant, but I've been hearing now to prune Cherry trees in later in the summer to prevent a particular disease that will could happen if you prune it during the dormant time. Is that correct, or should I prune huh. it in the winter?
2: Uh, okay, so this is a good question. I do not, uh, I do not know the answer to that question. I need to check that out. As far as I know, we we always do our pruning. Okay, keep in mind two things. When we grow fruit trees, whether it's cherries or apples or peaches. We prune them. There's two ways to prune them. One is to prune them to maximize the fruit. The other way to prune them is to maximize the beauty of the plant. (laughs) So, maximizing the fruit does not always end up with the best-looking plant uh, because it's just very much designed to be a big the biggest harvest that you can but in terms of sweet cherries being pruned differently than other fruit trees is news to me but that isn't unusual sometimes things stuff is news to me so let me check into it and i will let you know either before this show is over or first thing next week
4: okay thank you so much i appreciate that
1: no worries thanks for calling yeah thanks there trudy um okay well let's go to elizabeth in scarborough welcome to the garden show elizabeth
7: Oh, good morning. Uh, my question is, is there a preference between composted cow manure and sheep manure? I was in the uh, Rona yesterday, and they were both there, and I thought, okay, which one do I buy? I, I told <laughs> before about my spindly rhubarb, and you suggested uh, composted uh, uh, to put on it, and uh, I just wondered. Which one?
2: Very good question, actually. Honestly, there's not a lot of difference between them. Okay. Uh, and when you see the different bags for sale, I think it's because they have a, a buyer at Rona who has access to both sheep and cattle manure and says to themselves, well, you know, some people prefer sheep, some people prefer cattle, I'll get both, and provide it mm-hmm. in the stores for the for the customers. Um, when, I, when I've studied the what they know about sheep and, and cattle manure and which one's better, the bottom line has always been that there's a tendency for sheep manure to be slightly higher in its nitrogen um content than Uh cattle manure but but remember as well that the manure is only as good as the food that went into the animal so we don't always know what that is Uh but assuming that they're you know properly fed and well maintained and healthy animals their manure is lovely and once it's composted it provides excellent uh, organic matter for our gardens so i wouldn't i wouldn't stress it i get either one virtually the same though like i say technically sheep is supposed to be slightly better
7: Okay, now is there, is there any good in, in, in um, what I compost from my uh, vegetables and whatnot that I, I have a, a pail at the side door, and, and so all sure. my orange peelings and coffee grounds and potato peelings, sure. everything goes in that. <laughs> it takes a very oh. long time for me to get some good earth out of it, but at the bottom there is. Is
2: that um, beneficial? Oh, yeah, life? oh, definitely. Like that's 100% organic matter, and you know exactly what it is because you made it you can speed up the decomposition or the composting process by throwing a couple of handfuls of the sheep manure that you just bought into your composter and that will add in a bunch of the um, micro by um, bacteria, etc., microorganisms that will speed up the breaking down of your orange peels and potato peels oh, and coffee right? grounds.
7: Oh, so that's don't okay, hesitate it to takes, do that. It's years. I mean I can't believe I you know, in the wintertime I will collect a lot and then eventually pour it in and I'll I, I Those huge uh, ice cream containers you know, (laughs) you used to get when you had kids, and you didn't buy just a a little container, you bought a big container. So I saved those, and they sit under my sink, so everything goes in there. And then when I gather, you know, four or five, I dump them. But I I go in months later, there's I can still tell, well, that was that was the remainder of the pineapple, (laughs) and putting in a sheep manure a bit will help that.
2: Yes, that will speed things up as well as adding water. We don't really realize how important it is to add add moisture to our coffee grounds and our pineapple leftovers – Moisture is important. So you want your, what you're working on in your composter should be uh, like a wrung out sponge in terms oh. of the moisture level. So not soggy, not dripping wet, but that a wrung out sponge, so moist. Okay. As well, of course, add in some of that manure, get those organisms in there. And number three, every now and then get out a digging fork or some, a shovel and stir everything around. Oh, Doing a little okay. bit of stirring adds oxygen and speeds
1: up the decomposition as well.
7: Oh well, thank you so much. I do. Yeah, <laughs> My th- pleasure. Yeah, thanks for
1: the call, Elizabeth. Bye bye.
7: Yeah.
1: I, 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 another thing that I used to do back in the day when I was on composting more, when before we, you know, before the the green bin programs came along, I composted more, and I read that of course in, the more doorways you can make in the in the in the matter, the the easier it is to break down. So I used to like chop up all of my banana peels and everything into tiny pieces, and I got compost really, really quickly. That's Uh, right. The
2: smaller the pieces, the faster they Yeah.
1: So before we go, I just want to gush a little bit, just a little bit about the RBG. I've just been reading, and of course, it's the largest botanical garden in all of Canada. It is a national historic site. Uh, and of co- and they call it Canada's plant biodiversity hotspot. It's got 27 kilometers of walking trails here, over 2,400 acres. It's crazy. They're getting ready to open now. The uh, the gift shop is opening up. Um, I want to thank uh, Sage again. And another thing to consider, you know, you can come here. There's like about three places on site that you can dine. You can come and have dinner. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. when you, after your walk around.
2: Sure. Glass of wine. It's, oh, there's lots going on. That's great at the RBG. So yeah. thank you to them for hosting you. And uh, I love the chimes. See yeah. if they'll donate the chimes to the show, because uh, <laughs> I can. like it better than the cowbell. You can. Uh, um, your recipe, your lavender scone recipe is gonna, going up on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah. The AM740 AM
1: Facebook, Facebook page. That's right. Yeah, they're posting it, I believe, today.
2: Okay, so if anybody's looking f- to make some lavender lemon scones, look there. Uh, I do want to just recommend a book that was recommended to me from Julia Wynn. Sh- she loves this book because it's a great resource for native species, Canadian native plants, poisonous plants, etc. It's called. The book is called Edible and Medicinal Plants of Canada, and it is a lone pine published book book and uh she loves it it's her it's her bible so i thought i'll just share that with everybody before we have to rush off and get into our own gardens and so you thank you dean thank you oh thank you get out there and enjoy rbg thanks carlos thanks to all our great callers don't forget healing gardens this monday last episode 10th episode is is this monday night 9 p.m vision tv see you again next week
0: this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie Dobbin.